OPBC Online, a ministry of Old Paths Baptist Church in Northfield, Minnesota, coming to you live somewhere south of there in this concrete cave of mine. And uh, this concrete cave, this communication center right here, south of Northfield. And, and, here today, and it is a warmer day, but the wind is blowing. Everybody in my house has been sick. My body's definitely fighting it off. Uh, so's uh, Hannah. She's fight. We're fighting it off here. But uh, boy, I'll tell you. Um, and uh, it is it is what it is. But uh, we're just still hanging in there and moving forward and and marching on here. But uh, I can I can uh, definitely tell that uh, sickness has uh, swept through there and. Uh, Lots of folks, even at church there, too, that aren't feeling that well either. So uh, you pray for each and every one of them, if you would, please, and pray for us and our ministry and our work and all of our finances and all of the other things that uh, come uh, around and all that good stuff. But anyway, um, we are live here on Friday. I have not done a lot of hunting. And it is almost over. The and the reason why is it's been so warm. And these deer in my area have been pushed so hard. I really just need to go to some other area if I was going to hunt. But because it they're just pushed hard. It's too warm. 48 degrees right now and windy. It's too warm. You know, if it was like 15 degrees and like three inches of snow on the ground, I'd shoot one. But right now it is so warm out for them that they don't have to go anywhere. I'm going to try tomorrow morning probably to go out and uh, for a couple hours in the morning early and see it in the morning hunt, see if something passes through. Maybe I'll shoot a fat doe and get some backstrap. That's what I'm hoping to do. And uh, all that good stuff. So anyway, we'll see what happens with with all that. But um, it is what it is, and I'm not too worried about it. I always have something to do. I'm a busy man. So whether I'm doing that or whether I'm hunting or whether I'm doing something else, uh, you know, I'm busy. I got to, I got enough work to last me till I'm dead, and hopefully that's a long time. My aunt just died, though. She was 90 years old. My, my Aunt Bonnie died a few days ago. Yesterday, on my dad's and mom's anniversary. Today is my dad's 80th birthday. Grandpa is 80 years old today. And uh, we're going to celebrate that on, on Monday when he has some time off and stuff like that. But uh, Aunt Bonnie just died and she was 90 years old. You know, she professed to know Christ. She wasn't sold out and sanctified like I would like to see. However, she wasn't a drinker. She wasn't a boozer. She didn't run around with men. She didn't do um, those things. Uh, she lived a pretty clean life from that standpoint and was 90 years old. And, and uh, she's 10 years older than dad. And she died on his anniversary. Isn't that something? So, 
But anyway, um, we'll sell. And then Grandma and Grandpa's anniversary yesterday is 50 years. We're going to celebrate that on Monday also. So we'll do a at our home here. And uh, then they're having a special celebration for them at the church here next week. We decided to wait a week because I wanted to make sure everybody was feeling better. Um, I remember Aunt Bonnie when I was a kid. And I always thought she was old then. She always had white hair. And, uh, well, not always, just all the time I knew her. I was little. I was probably 10 years old. So this is probably uh, 30... Eight years ago, or 30, no, 47. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's a while ago. Anyway, but, uh, so, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, you know, I knew Aunt Bonnie, but I, I, I wasn't super close with any of them, really. Um, I never had a lot of close family when I was a when I was a kid, really, I, I really didn't have anybody. That, a couple cousins that I, I knew. One aunt and uncle. My uncle died. My other uncle, I never really had anything to do with. My grandpa, I never had anything to do with. My other grandpa was dead before I was born. My grandma uh, had Alzheimer's, so by the time I was 10 years old, um, she didn't know a whole lot. Um. Other grandma and grandpa didn't, so really didn't have uh, really didn't have any close family like that. Just never did. So, but uh, my children have a little bit more than I did, and uh, all that good stuff. But they got grandma and grandpa living with them, and and then the other grandma and grandpa come up and see them, and then grandma Peggy they 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 see her. So there, there's lots of lots of. Uh, People that, uh, you know, lots of family they have. So, but anyway, so that's what's been going on here and uh, all that good stuff. So we are going to, so you pray about everything for us. Pray about our trip to Canada as we, I, I hope to get, I'm missing a few documents that I got to get. So I'll get those documents and then I'll be able to forward the paperwork. I've got a bunch of paperwork filled out already. And I need a few documents. And as soon as I fill out that, well, I had another aunt die too. My other aunt died uh, a couple weeks ago. My Aunt Donna died a couple weeks ago. So I've had a lot of... A lot of those folks die. But anyway, so... But, so we're we're getting all that paperwork filled out for... For our trip to Canada and looking forward to spending time with Pastor Jeffrey and also with some of you, Carl and Mary, are going to try to make the trip over there. And also Daryl and Teresa renew their vows at uh, Niagara Falls in Canada. 
and also a ton of other work. I've got a lot of other work that we're going to be doing over there. So, and I got to get to doing the Coliseum. And as soon as I get people healthy here and my brains get back to normal here, uh, I'll be able to uh, work more on the Coliseum as well and uh, all that good stuff. And I, I mean, I'm still working on it. There's still stuff I'm working on, but, you know, really uh, push through. All that stuff. So anyway, but uh, and you pray about our trip and pray about our all those needs. And if you want to give towards any of that stuff, here's oldpazbaptistchurch.org. And uh, here they here's all three of these things. And uh, that's how you can do that. And, it, you know, you can go to our sermon audio.com slash Pastor Cooley page also, which is right here. And uh, you can find us there. And you can scroll down to the bottom of the page, and there's our information there. You'll find a way to get a hold of us. And if not, just message me. Uh, and I'll tell you how you can do that if you're interested. If you're not, that's okay, too. I'm not too worried about it. God always provides. He takes care of us. And Joyce uh, and all of that, okay? But we are excited about the future and about what God's going to do and about getting this documentary out, too. Uh, always something going on, man. There's always something. So... Uh, and then hopefully everybody's better by next week. Next Saturday, we're supposed to go preaching outside of a concert or something going on up in the Twin Cities. So hopefully everybody's better by then. Nobody's sick and we can get up there and go. And then two weeks later from that will be New Year's Eve. We'll be preaching Sunday night, New Year's Eve, into the wee hours of the morning. We'll be preaching um, in the new year out there warning sinners to flee from the wrath to come. So you pray for us about those things, and you'll be able to watch us live because we purchase this equipment and these other things so you could watch us live while we preach out there, and you could see that. So you get an understanding, an idea how you can pray for us and what goes on out there. Okay? So those are the things that are coming up here, and and I'd like to make you aware we're always doing something. We're always trying to get the gospel out there. Thousands of tracks went out. Uh, during our June to our June to November, the end of October rush, I mean, probably thirty thousand tracks. I don't know. I can't remember the exact number. Twenty, thirty thousand tracks uh, went out during that time period. Lots of preaching, uh, all that good stuff. So, anyway, you'll be able to watch hours of preaching live out there on the street. Uh, this this month here right so anyway uh you keep in touch with us about that and pay attention to what's going on there's always something something's been something's messed up with my sermon audio page right now i don't know what the deal is it's not i mean my page is fine i can't get this sermon to go through or not sermon but this broadcast remember henry killinger last uh kissinger last week the vatican spy pope's murder man I can't get, it's not just that, that broadcast either. It's any of my sermons. I can't get them to go live. So, or not live, but can't get them to upload. So we'll see what's going on with all that. Uh, but uh, if you want, you can always go over to Rumble right now and listen to all of those. Rumble's got all those sermons as well. So anyway, all right. Okay. All righty. So, 
we're going to talk about charismania again. And I believe, you know, you hear me preach. I bang the drum a lot on a lot of things, right? Let's, let's, let's pull up an extra rumble. Let's just show it. Okay. I bang the drum on a lot of things. Feminism is one of my main points. The family, the home, uh, the order of the home, the role of the husband and wives. Um, you know, the Antichrist, the fake Antichrist, right? Uh, or, I mean, the Antichrist, the, the false counterfeit Christ, um, the New World Order stuff. Look at this one. It's up to a 1,000. That one's going to keep going up. Um, you know, I bang the drum on a lot of these things. Uh, the rise of the new right. I'll, I'll get back to that one also. But, uh, you know, Antichrist issues, I'm, I'm always dealing with them, okay? The virtuous woman, the, the very important things, okay? Very important subjects. Uh, I deal with the, the charismatic movement. I deal with that a lot, okay? Uh, uh, you know, and I believe it is one of the most damaging movements out there is the charismatic movement. I really do. I I believe that it is absolutely essential. I believe that the charismatic movement is the preeminent antichrist movement of our time. I believe it is attack is it is a, it is a major attack and infiltration on New Testament churches. Biblical New Testament churches. It is Satan's fox or counterfeit Phony movement. Um, it, it's it's damaging. It's dangerous. It is. It is. Uh, seducing. It seduces many. And. Some saved people get seduced for a while into some of those, and they have to come out of them. So, you know, it, it it's very common, seduction. And it's important that people thoroughly understand this. The last time I went through it the way that I am now was four years ago. And I'm going back specifically through those things again that I went back in 2019. Almost five years ago, four and a half years ago, a little over four years ago or right at four years ago. And I don't I don't feel bad about going back through those because I have new listeners. I have new people that listen to me. I have new people that have come along and they're looking for the truth and they don't go back to the archives or they don't know who you know, what we stand for specifically on everything. So it's not bad for me to take the time to go back through and teach on these things again and remind people of why we reject the charismatic movement. That's why I'm doing it. People need to know why we reject it. 
why why you should reject the charismatic movement. And, you know, it, it's very important that that Christians understand that that Bible people understand and that because most pastors don't educate their people, but we live in an online world now. And this online world uh, is very deceptive. It used to be that you would get pamphleteers, you know, pamphlets from the JWs, pamphlets from the Mormons, uh, pamphlets from the from the Pentecostals and everything else, right? So with that, you would be with that you would be uh, proselytized, right? You'd be proselytized by them, or you know, seduced by them, since they're a cult. They're cults, most of them. You would be seduced by them. Well, now it, it's at the tip of your fingers that this seduction is there. You could be deceived by it, and people can read it and watch videos on it, and these ministries have streaming, they have everything else. So they're reaching, and they're, they're, the offerings that these people are pulling in, the money that they're getting, the, you know, the prosperity gospel, which I need to talk about. I'll do that sometime, too. We'll talk about the prosperity gospel again. And all, but, but these people, they're, they're, they're seducing people all over the world in third world countries in Africa, especially the number one religion in Africa is the charismatic religions, the prosperity gospels, the, the fake and phony signs and wonders. That is the number one religion in those areas in poor countries, because those people want to be rich. They they and rich to them is just making it, you know. Uh, and they're taught lies. And tongue speaking is 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 primarily modern day tongues movement is primarily uh, feelings driven. It is driven by emotion and feelings. And if people are not careful, they'll they get taken by it. Countries like India, uh, people like that that are in a caste system and everything else in some parts of India, uh, you know, Africa, some some nations in Africa, all over the world, Australia. Right? So all these places are, these men have infiltrated it, but they don't go over to those third world countries and speak their language using tongues. Like men like Kenneth Copeland and other men like that, they'll go to those places and they'll use an interpreter. 
Why? Because they can't speak in biblical tongues. They can't speak languages. Now, we won't finish this today, I can guarantee you. There's too much to cover the entire issue of tongues. So we'll get down the road a ways here on it, and then we'll pick it up, and I'll pick up a, we'll do a part two, and we'll, do, we'll deal with this tongues. We'll hash it all out. It, it will be beneficial. You know, it, it'll be beneficial to those that listen to it so they understand how to deal with it. So they get it, right? Okay, let's see here. Look at Gregory Pace commenting. So anyway, he's down in the comment section. He's not up in the chat. He's down here. Let's see. Yeah, there he is. He's down here. You're not in the chat, man. You're in the con uh, comment section. That's okay. Charge you a double for that, Gregory. It's all over the world. So, basically, in other words, we need to mine out what the scriptures say about this, show some modern-day examples of things that are going on. To do that, we are using David Cloud's book, uh, The Pentecostal Charismatic Movement. Now, he quotes a lot of sources. David Cloud has gathered all these sources together. And it's not just one man. It's, the, number one, it's a, a scriptural understanding of the issue. But he gathers it together. Puts it all together and gathers different sources. Which is important because gathering resources is, is important. It's like what Brother Paul is doing with his um, geocentricity stuff. He's gathering the resources together to be able to do this. So, so we're going to get to it here. David Cloud says, we reject the Pentecostal charismatic movement because the false doctrine that tongue speaking is for today. The view that tongues is a gift for every believer and that it is to be exercised today has been an integral part of the Pentecostal movement from its inception. Okay, so from the beginning of it, right, the Pentecostal movement has taught, so now it's evolved. You went from the Pentecostal movement, Charismatics, the New Apostolic Reformation. Basically, same heresies repackaged. Now, most Pentecostals will tell you there's a threefold purpose. For tongues. First, it's a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
which we already dealt with, by the way, in another broadcast. Secondly, or in this capacity, it's assigned both to the believer himself as well as to those who are observing. Second, it is a means whereby God communicates to the church. This allegedly occurs as the messages of tongues are interpreted. Third, it's supposed to be a private prayer language whereby the user edifies himself. Under this category, the private edification is said to produce a wide assortment of benefits, including encouragement during spiritual trials, physical healing, spiritual guidance, and even a sleep aid. So listen to what these people say. They're crazy. The distinctive doctrine of the Pentecostal churches is that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. This article of belief is now incorporated in the official doctrinal schedules of practically all Pentecostal denominations. God took the baptism in the Holy Spirit out of theoretical, out of the theoretical by giving the believer an undeniable physical evidence when the believer was filled. That evidence is speaking with the other tongues. The fact is those who receive the gift of the Holy Spirit will speak in tongues. Note, he uses the term baptism in the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit as synonym. They say speaking in tongues is always manifested when people are baptized in the Spirit. That's what Kenneth Hagin said. Remember that joker that walked around? Tried to wrap this thing up and smacking people on the head and having his laughing revival where they're all laughing. Huh, huh, huh. Huh, huh, huh. Huh, huh, huh. Remember that guy? Just one dose of the Holy Ghost. Remember that guy? One man said it this way. Speaking in tongues is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it is what happens when and as you are baptized in the Spirit and it becomes an important resource to help you continue. But where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't. They make it up. Hang on one second. Turn the heat up, man. I was cold a little bit. Anyway. Even your physical. Oh, here it says, I say to all those who have a problem of insomnia due to their thoughts and reasoning, speaking in tongues and you will sleep. If you speak in tongues in your bed, your reasoning will cease. You will soon be asleep. What an idiot. Because I could pray and be asleep. Just if you want to go to sleep while you're sitting in bed, just start praying. You'll fall asleep. You will. You'll fall asleep. Just keep doing it. You'll go to sleep. 
Even your physical and cerebral fatigue will disappear as you speak in tongues. Where is that in the scriptures? It's not. They made it up. They just made it up. In his autobiography, a man named David Duplacis, he said, God showed him that tongues was a means for determining the divine will. The light clicked on, he said. I was speaking to God in tongues. And he was speaking back to me in my mind. I began to find beautiful revelation. That way, praying in tongues proved to be a wonderful step in working my way out of such an impasse, in not being able to discern God's will. I would merely pray in tongues. And if the idea held firm, then I knew it was real. Now, let me tell you something here. Here's how it works, okay? What these people are doing is replacing the guidance of the Holy Spirit through the Holy Scriptures with tongues. That's what they're doing. So the Word of God is not their, their final authority for faith and practice. It's tongues. That's wrong. The word of God is greater than any of those gifts. Some within the broader charismatic movement today de-emphasize tongues as a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One former charismatic wrote, James Robinson and others came up with the idea that you could be baptized in the Holy Spirit and have a second experience after salvation and demonstrate it by another sign gift or by the fruit of the Spirit, especially love. That was much more commonly held belief in the Pentecostal charismatic movements. Therefore, the sign aspect of tongues is less widely held today than it was before. I walked away from the camera for a second. I had to turn the heat up. Following is a summary of the Bible reasons why we reject the Pentecostal charismatic Doctrine of tongues. Let me say first that I'm convinced there are some details pertaining to tongues speaking that we cannot understand today. Look, there are some things that we just simply cannot understand today that went on before. 
we don't have a full grasp and understanding of those things. We just don't. So when, when people want you to answer every question about the sign gifts, every question about those temporary gifts that were given, there's some things we don't understand. How about, like, like David Cloud says here, the Urim and the Thummim. We don't understand everything about that. We don't get it. But guess what? The Urim and the Thummim is not in operation today. It, it isn't. I don't I don't have to understand. I don't have to understand the Urim and the Thummim. It's not for me. My high priest is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God Almighty. So I don't have to understand that. I don't have to know every in and out of tongue speaking in the New Testament. And the reason I don't is because it's not for today. It was temporary to Israel. It was a sign to the Jews. Just like the parting of the Red Sea was a sign to the Jews. Just like when Moses went to the Jews and threw his staff down and showed them that God was working with him. That God was going to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. He gave him miracles. Just like God showed with Elijah. And Elisha, that he was doing something special. We don't know what the Urim and the Thummim look like. And we don't know how they were used to determine divine direction. Since the Urim and the Thummim are not in operation in our day, it's not, it is enough to believe what the Bible says and to draw some general spiritual applications for our time. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Even Chrysostom said, way back in the 4th century, this whole place is very obscure, but the obscurity is produced by our ignorance of the facts referred to and by their secession. Being such as then used to occur, but now no longer take place. He wrote that in, 340, uh, in between 347 and 407 BC. Excuse me, AD, after Christ. The year of our Lord. Why? Because it's not. 
We don't know. He said they weren't experiencing it. God was done doing that. Just like I don't go back and celebrate the temple rites. Why? Because I'm not a Jew. I'm not in the Old Testament, and Jesus came and rent the veil of the temple. Right? And because he rent the veil of the temple, into the, he made the way into the holiest of all. So I don't have to understand every single thing about that. It doesn't apply to me. I can learn. I can grow what the scriptures say. But I'm not going to go through those things. So while there are questions, like he said, in regard to tongues that we can't answer, we're not obligated to answer every single one of them. Our, our, is the miraculous, uh, is the miracle of biblical languages that are used today, is it in operation? No, it's not. Are the sign gifts in operation? Is anybody healing anybody? No, they can't even heal themselves. But what false teachers do is they grab obscure texts, right? They grab them and they don't define what they believe by clear biblical passages. They take obscure texts that you wonder about. Huh. Speaking with the tongues of angels. See, that's that's what that means right there. Right? That's what that means. That's what they say, right? When you see this. Since Brother Jimmy is no longer with us, is there anybody else who has the gift of interpreting the tongues in which we're all going to speak today? Anybody? Oh, goodness, that was frightening. Oh, hello. Who might you be? Why, we're the members of Wickersham Apostolic Church, and you are? Isn't it obvious, Preacher Jeff? He's a golden angel from heaven. Oh, I'm afraid that's not quite true. My name is C-3PO. I am a service droid from another galaxy, programmed to interact with and assist various organic life forms such as yourselves. Assist us? Yes, that's right. Is there anything with which you need assistance? Well, yes, actually. We're trying to get an old-timey revival going where a number of us are going to speak in tongues, but our translator called in sick with an unexpected case of Lutheranism. Is there any chance the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon you the supernatural gift of interpretation? I'm afraid that I possess no divinely given abilities. However, I was programmed to be fluent in over six million forms of communication, including all the languages of your planet, so I believe I could be of service as a translator. Hey, you guys hear that? That's great! Yeah, really? 
really great. Well, let's get this thing going. All right. Anybody feeling the spirit? Anybody have a word from the Lord you just gotta share with us? I'm feeling it. Shlubba hubba tween bing doogie alba bingo. Okay, Brother 3PO, what did Sister Jane say? Um, nothing. What? Yeah, what are you talking about? I said a bunch of stuff. Well, you did make sounds, but I'm afraid those sounds were just randomly assembled bits of gibberish and don't belong to any actual language. Really? You sure that wasn't Russian or something? Quite certain, I'm afraid. Well, I'm really feeling the spirit. Let me try something. That felt like Hebrew. That was Hebrew, right? No, just Middle Eastern sounding gibberish. French sounding gibberish. Rubio, Mavia, Pasta Primavera. That was half gibberish, half just listing menu items from an Italian restaurant. Yo tengo tres bigotes in mis piscinas. Hey, that was Spanish, right? Yes. You just said, I have three mustaches in my swimming pools. Did the Holy Spirit directly reveal to you that you have three mustaches in your swimming pools, or did you just subconsciously shout out the only words you remember from Senorita Van Meter's fifth period Spanish class your freshman year of high school? Seventh period, actually. Look, my new friends, as much as you all want to believe it, I'm afraid it's clear that the Holy Spirit isn't actually causing you to speak in legitimate foreign languages as he did to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Well, the Lord is obviously speaking through us somehow. In fact, I believe we're speaking in some kind of supernatural prayer language, like how St. Paul talks about speaking in the tongue of angels. You speak angel? Well, no, but... Well, then, rest assured, my Pentecostal friends, that must be what's going on. I do hate to be rude, sir, but when St. Paul references the tongue of angels in 1 Corinthians 14, he's not saying that the Holy Spirit actually grants certain men the ability to speak the official language of heaven. Rather, he's making a rhetorical point. To people who think that speaking in tongues makes them better Christians, he's saying, even if I speak in the most super-duper heavenly of tongues, if I think I'm holier than other people, I'm actually proving myself to be a spiritually infantile, self-righteous sinner. Well, all right, So, in the end, the Bible only actually describes God giving men one kind of miraculous tongue speaking, that of speaking in actual languages, which we've just established that you're not doing, and which we'll establish in a future video no one is actually doing today. And if I may be so bold, inventing a new way that God is speaking through you after it's just been shown that God wasn't actually speaking through you the way you first claimed he was is not substantially different from when the Jehovah's Witnesses kept changing the meaning of their end-of-the-world predictions after they failed to come true. In other words, it's an unsuccessful attempt to cover up your blatant false prophecy. Oh, yeah? Well, how about this? Hey, that sounded like something. That was Latin. Well, all right, it looks like you were wrong, metal man. Backwards, Latin. What? You just said Satan is my homeboy in Latin. <laughs> Backwards. Which I think means you have a demon. I do not have a demon. You probably have a demon. I do not have a demon. Pretty sure you have a demon. We do not have a demon. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure you got a demon there, Daryl. <laughs> Pretty sure you got a demon there, Daryl. <laughs> got a demon there, Daryl. <laughs> oh, that guy's funny. <laughs> I love that. All right. All right. So, biblical tongues were earthly languages. <laughs> Real earthly languages. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. The first time we see tongues mentioned in the scriptures, they are not unintelligible mutterings. They are not. They are very clear. 
languages. They clearly could understand what was being said. That is the rule of first mention the first time. Acts chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Think about that. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and in Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, in Phrygia, in Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in other parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Greeks and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues, in our tongues, excuse me, in our tongues, the wonderful works of God. Very clear. You got 15 different languages being spoken there. They were normal earthly languages that they heard. There is no reason to believe that the gift of tongues mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 to 14 is any different from that mentioned in the book of Acts. In both places, the tongues consisted of the miraculous gift of speaking in earthly languages that one had never learned. Why is that so important? Because what they want to do, what the modern-day Pentecostal movement wants to do, see, like... uh. They want you to believe that this is what they were doing back then. Stand right up here, Rodney. In the name of Jesus. Now, when you get up here, there'll be a message from the Lord. You'll need to stand on one of these steps. I don't know why that is, but stand on one of these steps. When you get up here, there'll be a message from the Lord on your heart. I want you to deliver it to the people. No, 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 on these steps. Now, no, that ain't enough. No, that ain't enough. On these steps. You got to stand on these steps. Right? Because he's like a prophet that's getting a message from God that that you got to stand on these steps in order for the message to hit you. Enough. Good. Yeah, right, that's good right there. Praise the Lord. Praise but this the Lord. is the day, this is the hour, saith the Lord, that I'm moving at this earth. This is the day that I'll cause you to step over into the realm of the supernatural. For many have preached and it's been prophesied of old and said there was a move coming. But oh, it's even now and even at the door. For the drops of rain are beginning to fall of the glory of God. Yes. Yes, many of you that have sat on the threshold and said, Oh God, when shall it be? Oh, my glory. For this is the day. 
Mando Riddell every hour in your ministries. And for there's a fire on the and be filled afresh now. Oh, to drink, to drink, to drink, to drink, to drink, to drink. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not worried what other people think. No. The music this guy added is hilarious. Oh, the Holy Ghost. New anointings. <laughs> <laughs> There's a realm of the supernatural, God says, stir it up, stir it up. You've walked in it, you've seen it. This is a fear to step over. And because you know the real move of God, run with the move of God, run. <laughs> okay, okay, I was gonna stop. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. That's not what happened at Pentecost. I assure you by the word of God that did not happen at Pentecost. Did not happen. What happened was earthly languages were spoken there. Whoops. Earthly languages were spoken there. Not... Babel. It was the opposite of the Tower of Babel, right? Or babbling. They all spoke languages too, but God confounded their languages. See, these guys' languages, they're still confounded. You ever notice they got the curse of Babylon on them? You ever notice how what they speak, these charismatics, what they speak is Babel? It's Babylon. They have the curse of Babylon on them. I decree it. I declare it over you, blessed in every way, and you will have a surplus of prosperity. Do la glama bebe bebe, dos dos ke 
Schelle lagendische Bobola Mangrede bestiris igreston o sundas. So if they say, oh, you're part of that name and claim it, frame it. So yeah, my pastor names it, he claims it, and frames it. The Lord will make you have a surplus, a surplus of prosperity. Multi-billionaires in the kingdom of heaven. We, we are right now gathered with the group of the most wealthiest people on the face of the planet. If no one else on the planet grabs the board, I got everything stacked up. 2023. Anyway, I know this guy is mocking him, but it's not much it's not much different, is it? Because I've seen the real video when you when you watch it. This is the real one. Of a revival. That's why I'm pouring refreshment. <laughs> <laughs> For there's a new dimension coming to your ministry. You've known this, and yes, you've hungered for it, and you've said, Oh God. But the Lord would say to thee this night, yes, even in this nation. What an idiot. What an absolute idiot. Anyway, so there you go. That's the real one. Just so you know, it's not that far off of the zoo that was just shown. Okay. That's not what happened at Pentecost. Don't try to make me accept that nonsense and call that tongues. That's what they want you to do. They want to try to shame you and say, oh, you don't believe God's word because God says they'll speak in other tongues. So you don't believe God's word. No, I do believe God's word. I don't believe that's what you're doing. You're not doing what God's word says. You're doing something completely different and trying to call it tongues. That's the difference. We believe that God gave the gift of tongues. And we believe that gift ended. Because it was no longer necessary. Next, biblical tongues were a sign to unbelieving Israel. Another foundational truth about biblical tongues is that tongues were a sign to Israel. That God was extending the gospel to all nations. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 20 to 22, brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord, wherefore tongues are for a sign. What are tongues for? A sign. 
not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. This is a fundamental passage on the purpose of tongues. Anyone who wants to understand the biblical doctrine and practice of tongues must start here. Because the Corinthians, they were abusing the spiritual gifts. They're particularly, particularly enamored with tongues. As spiritual infants, they were showing off to one another. Paul tells them, stop being children. Paul tells them, stop showing off. You mean like what these guys are doing here, which is not even a real gift? They're showing off a lie and a fake gift. For you have concentrated on the third world, but this nation shall see through thy ministry a great outpouring of the Spirit. For this is the day, saith the Son, that thought, oh, they're even going to be no more Shukura Defi. For as you preach my word, even the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that you've seen that happened and taken place in other nations shall begin to take place. And the great dimension of the supernatural, the great dimension is your portion. Deep drink of the Holy Ghost. New anointings. <laughs> He tells us that the gift of tongues was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 28, 11 through 12. It was directed to the Jews. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. This people refers to the Jewish nation to whom the prophet Isaiah was speaking. The gift of tongues, the miraculous gift, was a sign to the unbelieving Jews that God was speaking to all nations and men and calling them by the gospel into one new spiritual body. That's what I'm covering in the book of Ephesians. I talked about that last week, how God, or this week on Wednesday, how God brought the Ephesians, the Jew and Gentile alike, into one body. That's what God did. That's the work that He did. A former Pentecostal said this, It is worth noting that wherever the sign appears, it is always in the presence of Jews. And where we do not find Jews, as in Athens or in Malta, neither do we find the sign. It is in the very nature of the sign that we find the nature of their unbelief. The sign denounced or corrected their lack of faith concerning the salvation of those who spoke languages that were foreign to their own, that is, the Gentiles. But this was precisely what the Jews did not want to believe. 
fact, they were contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. The idea of now being made one with foreigners was more than the first century Jews could stand. I've been talking about this in Ephesians because it's so it's so dominant in the in the in the writings of Paul through the epistles he is teaching Jew and Gentile alike to be in one body that there's no difference yes there's cultural differences and challenges but spiritually speaking there is no difference The thought alone was enough to fire up the Hebrew atavism. Yet, that was the first thing they had to understand and finally admit. So God gave them the best sign possible to make them understand what they could not or would not believe. That he miraculously made Jews speak in the languages of foreigners. In so doing, God put Jewish praise into these pagan tongues. A simple but attentive reading of the Bible reveals the scenario of fierce Jewish opposition towards everything that was not specifically Jewish. We see Jonah, who hates the men of Nineveh to the point of disobeying God, in his frustration, he goes as far as asking for his own death. If Nineveh lives, may Jonah die. The spirit of opposition and unbelief will only be reinforced over the centuries. They, were, they, they became so bigoted that they would not have anything to do with the Gentiles. Daring to suggest that people with a tongue different from their own could benefit from the goodness of God was to risk one's life. Remember, they led Jesus to the top of a hill to throw him off because he had just said many widows were in Jer Israel in the days of Elias. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Seripeda, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Jesus added to their immense rage, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. This was in their eyes more than enough to deserve death. That's a narrative, isn't it? Look at Acts 22. The prisoner Paul stands on the steps of the fortress. He motions to the crowd with one hand and asks to speak. He begins to speak in Hebrew. Silence falls upon the crowd. But at the very instant that he starts, and he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. The sentence freezes in midair. They listened as far as that word Gentiles or nations, and then they threw dust into the air, shouting away with such a fellow from the earth. For it is not fit that he should live. What made them explode like that? Simply the idea that God could also be the God of every man and every tongue. So now it's easier to understand. Why speaking in tongues is the sign of this great truth. And that for this people, it was meant. 
But who in today's church composed of peoples, tribes, nations, and languages, who still needs to be convinced by a repeated sign that the Spirit of God is poured out into all peoples, nations, tribes, and languages? Nobody. They know it. They've seen it all over the world. They have the Bible. Right? They already see it. They know it. It is impossible to have a correct view of tongue speaking without understanding that it was a sign to the nation of Israel. It was a sign of the new thing that God was doing, which was extending the gospel to all men and bringing both Jew and Gentile into one spiritual body. The need for such a sign ceased in AD 70. Why is that? The Jewish temple were destroyed. Titus came in. Leveled the temple. The Jews were scattered among all nations. By then, the Gentiles had come to Jesus Christ by the tens of thousands. Gentile churches had come to Jesus Christ. The purpose for the gift of tongues as a sign to the nation of Israel had ended. Israel had rejected the sign, and she had been judged just as the prophet foretold. Right? He said, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them a precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. That's what happened to Israel. Isaiah not only prophesied that God would give the sign of tongues to Israel, but he also prophesied that Israel would reject it and be judged, which is what happened. Paul taught the gift of tongues would cease. He taught that to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. This scripture is talking about the revelatory gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. Knowledge doesn't cease, but the gift of knowledge ceases. It is not tongues or languages that will cease. It is the gift of tongues that will cease. When will these gifts cease? The passage indicates that they will cease in two stages. The gift of tongues is treated separately from the gifts of prophecy and knowledge. The gift of tongues is mentioned in verse 8. Then it is not mentioned again, whereas the gift of prophecy and knowledge are mentioned again in 9 and 10. Because it teaches that the gift of tongues would cease of its own accord prior to the secession of the other two gifts. We see that in Acts. Because the last time we see tongues speaking is in Acts 19. 
By that point in church history, there was no question that God was calling the Gentiles by the gospel. That matter, matter had been settled. Once the sign gift has been fulfilled, it is foolish to continue with it. He uses the example, if I were, telling, if I were meeting somebody at the airport and tell him that he will know me by me wearing a red hat, that red hat is a sign. Once we meet and he recognizes me by the sign of the hat, the need for the sign has ceased. If I were to continue to wear a red hat for the rest of my visit, that would make no sense. He already knows me. The gift of tongues ceased even before the events recorded in the book of Acts concluded. But the gifts of prophecy and knowledge continued to operate until that which is perfect is come. Which was what? The completed canon of the scriptures. Because the Bible says the scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. The gifts of prophecy and knowledge were used by the prophets and apostles for the completion of scripture and then they vanished away. So God used prophets and apostles gave them the word of knowledge, the gift of knowledge, gave them the, uh, the gifts of prophecy to write the scriptures. Once the scriptures were canonized, there was no reason for the extra revelatory gifts. You don't need them anymore. Why would you? There's no reason for them. That's important to understand. The final book of scripture was to be written by Revelation. John wrote it in his extreme old age at about AD 96 on the Isle of Patmos. And it concluded with a solemn divine warning not to add or to take away from the words of the prophecy of this book. John was the last remaining apostle. The revelation was closed. The revelatory gifts were closed with John on AD 96 when he was done writing the book. There was no need for it any longer. The apostles had written the scriptures. The prophets had written the scriptures. There was no need. This clear biblical doctrine about tongues single-handedly refutes the modern-day tongue speaking. Remember Charles Parham? We talked about his Bible school. When his students spoke in tongues in 1901 or when tongues broke out at Azusa Street in 1906, what Jews were present? Had Jews been present? In what way could the tongue speaking have been a sign that God was extending the gospel to all nations and creating a new body through the gospel? That sign had been given 1,900 years earlier. In what way was that sign not entirely fulfilled in the first century? 
These are hard questions that Pentecostals don't like to answer, but they must. If someone would rejoin that that Jews still need the sign of tongues, we would ask, why then have the Pentecostal charismatic movements ignored this aspect of tongues? Parham in his, in his uh, Topeka and Seymour in Los Angeles did not seek for tongues as a sign to Israel, but as a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The same is true for the Assemblies of God and the Church of God and the four-square Pentecostal jokers. goes on to say, someone after reading my book said to me, for you it all boils down to being a sign. Of course it does. Take a signpost, for instance. You may discourse at length on its height, its shape, the color, the phosphorus of the size of the letters, but however accurate your remarks may be, it is impossible to get around the fact that its sole and ultimate purpose is to be a signpost. And that's what tongues were. The Holy Ghost said it was a sign. For Israel. In this matter, as in others, it can be seen that the rules of the game are not being followed. See, they don't want it to be a sign to Israel. They want to take all the gifts that were given to the apostles. Truly, the signs of apostle were wrought among you. And they want to be false apostles. Deceitful workers. Because that's what they are. You got that Catherine Crick running around. As a female apostle. Well, let me tell you something. God ordained a devil before he did a woman. He chose a devil before he would choose a woman to preach. You get that? He chose a devil. Think about that for a second. Can't get work. What's Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, He said, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Jesus literally chose a devil. Over a woman to preach. I guess that shows you how much Jesus wanted women preachers. Right? Think about that one for a second. Next, biblical tongues were not a sign to believers. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 through 22. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. 
In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. The Bible states that tongues are not a sign to believers. This is a far-reaching truth. Because in the context of the Pentecostal charismatic movements, tongues are commonly said to be a sign to believers. But tongue speaking is considered a sign of faith and of a sign of God's blessing and a sign of indwelling of the Holy Spirit and a sign of power. In all these cases, tongue speaking is looked upon as a sign to believers. In 1 Corinthians 14, 20-22, Paul refutes this error in the clearest of words. Look at it. Did, but we'll look at it again. The law is written with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Very clear. Biblical tongues were also spoken to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, albeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Paul says that biblical tongues were not spoken unto men, but unto God. This is what we see on the day of Pentecost. Those that heard the disciples speak in tongues on that day said, We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. The tongues messages were addressed to God, but were understood by those who heard them in the various languages. The Jewish tongue speakers might even have been quoting from the Psalms that day. The Jews that heard them were amazed to hear their own Jewish brethren speaking the praises of God in the unclean pagan languages. When it came time for God to speak directly to men that day, he used the preaching of Peter. It was not in tongues. No one was saved through the hearing a message in tongues. They were saved by hearing and believing the gospel. Get that through your head. Think about that. Paul said the tongue speaking in the churches was for the same purpose. The tongues were addressed to God. And if they were translated, men could understand what was being said to God and thus be edified. But tongue speaking was not a message addressed directly to men, as prophesying was. However, Pentecostals and Charismatics everywhere, they claim that tongues are messages directed to men. I'm telling you, some of this stuff is kind of long to deal with. But it is important to be equipped with it. Because so many Christians are lazy today. They're lazy believers. 
They're not Bereans. They don't want to study things. They don't want to learn. They don't want to be edified with the scriptures. They want the wow and the pizzazz stuff. Because of that, they're being deceived. Again, that former Pentecostal Lagrand, he said, after more than 30 years of close contact with these churches, and after having accepted some of their ideas, I've been forced to admit that there is a glaring discordance with the word of God on this point. I, first of all, capitulated before the authority of the scriptures. I then proceeded to verify for myself what was being taught in practice. So he talked to people about their convictions. And he asked them, when tongues are interpreted in your assembly, what is the context of the message? I did not inquire. I did not know the answer. But I wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. So leaving, no place for ambiguity. Without exception, the replies always confirmed what I had already observed. It was a word of encouragement or prophecy or exhortation or even of evangelization. These were addressed to those present, that is, to men, and was therefore in complete contradiction with the Holy Spirit, who said just the opposite. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. He said one of his friends invited him to a meeting, right? So he asked him this very question. How do you reconcile the idea of message addressed to you personally with the biblical statement that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh it not unto men, but unto God. You are not God. He said it was like I hit him over the head with, with the text. He was speechless. 30 years later, nothing changed. You point that out to people, they don't listen. You ask them, do you choose between the word of God or your experience? And they choose their experience. They will not choose the Bible. They choose their experience. Over the scriptures. It's always how it is with Pentecostals. They will always choose their experience over the Bible. No matter what you show them, they have their feels. Biblical tongues were accompanied by interpretation. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. Another interpretation of tongues. 
Then you see it in 1 Corinthians 14, 27 through 28. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two. Or at the most by three. That by course. And let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. And let him speak to himself. And to God. Uh Uh-oh, I got the hiccups now. Hold on. Hopefully that took care of it. Here we go. So the gift of interpretation is not this. Yeah, you've stood on the threshold many times and contemplated, must I go forward? But, uh, you know, <laughs> what will others think? But, oh, that, uh, that is going to go from you. Yes, 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 yes. You'll not be afraid, for the fear of man brings a snare. But even this night, the fire, the fire, the fire, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, yeah, 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 yeah. And the Holy Ghost came because they got nothing out of religion. Well, you silly thing. Well, you silly goose. What will you get out of religion? For the Jews got nothing out of religion after Calvary. So let it go. Release religion. Cast that garment off. Enter into the fullness of the Holy Ghost. For it is being outpoured right now, even as it was on Pentecost. It is happening in this place at this moment, at this time. Look, 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 saith the Lord right now. He'll feel, yes, be the glorious of the peace. You are moving higher into the spirit realm. Yeah, sure you are. Sure you are, you bunch of nuts. That is not interpretation. The gift of interpretation was a supernatural enablement whereby a believer could give an exact interpretation of a message that had been delivered to God in tongues. No tongue speaking was allowed in the church without interpretation because it is God's will that everyone present in the church services understand everything that is said and done and thus be edified thereby. Thus, even though one or two people might be present in the service who understood the tongue's message, because it was given in their native language, this was not sufficient because everyone needed to understand. 
on the day of Pentecost, no interpretation was needed because there were men present from many locations who spoke the languages that were given by tongues. Furthermore, that was not a church service. When we come to the charismatic movements, the interpretation of tongues is a very strange thing because there is a little semblance between the tongues and the interpretation. I've oftentimes heard short tongues messages given long interpretations. And I've heard tongues messages composed of three or four words. Shalalama, shalabama, shalanuna, shalalama, shalabama, shabaluna. Interpreted as a complete spiritual message. Like you just heard here, right? You are being lifted like you are being lifted okay. into the realm. Here, hear the voice of the word. There's a realm of the supernatural. God says, stir it up. Stir it up. You've walked in it. You've seen it. Oh, but it's going to come in a greater dimension and in a greater way. For many, because of excesses of fear to step over, and they've actually pulled themselves back, but you're not, because you know the real and you know the genuine, and so you'll step over and run. Run! Run! See, he said, something like that. That's that. That's what Kenneth Copeland said, right? And then, and then that guy goes off and says something really long for like two or three minutes. Or whatever it is, 45 seconds, whatever. So he says something for a few seconds. This guy says something for like a minute or two. Well, what's going on there? It's stupid. That's what's going on. It's not, that's not interpretation of tongues. They're making it up. They're just making it up. I just made that up, Carl. <laughs> Carl, I just made that up. <laughs> that was just off the tongue. <laughs> I didn't plan that, man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> You're making me laugh now. <laughs> I just... Oh, man. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I'll keep going here. But I just made that up, whatever it was. But that's, that's, what, that's what I think they're doing there, right? <laughs> Everybody else is sleeping. Carl's awake. Carl heard it and started laughing. <laughs> Carl started laughing. Everybody else is sleeping. They all went night-night. I must be bored to death. Or, or they're paying attention. Okay, here we go. In all the cases of interpretation that I have checked personally with the greatest care and with an open mind, I have discovered nothing other than human fabrication and deliberate trickery. What surprised me was the unacceptable difference between the brevity of the tongues and the disproportionate length of the interpretation. Having taken offense at such deceit, I was candidly told that the interpretation was not a real translation, but a heartfelt translation. So it was not just any odd thing left to the fantasy of a pseudo-interpreter, someone else, to try to get himself out of this embarrassing situation, told me that the interpretation was not the translation of what was said in the tongues, but the response from heaven to what had been said. 
Here we are complete. Here we here we are completely rambling. Scripture is deliberately trampled underfoot. That very word that points out that giving thanks in tongues must be interpreted so that we may understand what thou sayest, so the congregation can show their agreement and join in thanksgiving by saying amen. Okay. So back it up a little bit. You are being lifted to you now. There's a realm of the supernatural, God says, stir it up. Stir it up. You've walked in it, you've seen it. Oh, but it's going to come in a greater dimension and in a greater way. For many, because of excesses of fear to step over, and they've actually pulled themselves back, but you'll not, because you know the real and you know the genuine, and so you'll step over and run. Run! Run! Run with the move of God! Run with the move of God! Run! Uh, I, I'm going to tell you what, that's some moves right there. That old boy got himself some moves there. Did you see that? Another Pentecostal leader dared even to tell me that the same case of speaking in tongues could very well have several interpretations. Do you expect that a cat can give birth at the same time to kittens and puppies? But no one gets upset in the spiritual realm when we're asked to believe that one kind of speaking in tongues brings forth several kinds of interpretations. It's nonsense. It's counterfeit. One can imagine how attentively I listened to one incident of speaking in tongues that was a jerky, staccato, and incomprehensible as all others, in the middle of which suddenly stood up out a thrice-repeated spiriti santi, Holy Spirit plural in Italian. Having grasped the triple repetition, I watched for its reappearance in the interpretation. So he listened to them say those Italian words, right? Now listen to this. Profoundly saddened by this newly discovered dishonesty, I made up my mind to move on to more advanced verification. So listen, here's what he did. He tried to verify whether these tongues and people that say they had the gift of interpretation and that that was tongues, that they would have an interpretation. So listen to what they did. They brought in a guy with a thick accent like Ross. Profoundly saddened by this newly discovered dishonesty, I made up my mind to move on to a more advanced verification. I asked the Scottish brother, which I'll tell you, when they start speaking, you can't understand what they're saying. In a thick Scottish accent. I'm like, what'd that guy say? When I was over there. I asked the Scottish brother who had the typical broad accent of his country to put the Lord's Prayer twice in a row onto a cassette. Armed with this recording and that of two other genuine tongues followed by their interpretation taped on location, I went to see some very moderate Pentecostal friends 
for whom exaggerations and digressions were only found amongst others. No one in the community doubted their con conversions or their sincerity or the reality of their charismania. After praying together, I asked them to interpret the pseudo and the real tongues. This was done without objection or re reticence. Alas and alas again, the Lord's Prayer in English transformed itself into a message of encouragement in French. As to the rest, it was as different from the first as the Rhone is different from the Rhine and flows in the opposite direction. Indeed, can we still call ourselves Christians when we team up so closely with him who disguises himself as an angel of light? In order to get out of this sticky situation, many people claim without really believing it, that one does not submit a gift of the Spirit to an electronic test. But it must be pointed out that it is not the test that created the trickery. It only confirmed it, and it demonstrated, moreover, that these so-called gifts are not among those good and perfect gifts that come down from above. In addition to that, what more than sufficiently demonstrates that everything is purely human and subjective in today's gifts of tongues? That the Holy Spirit has nothing whatsoever to do with it. The Roman Catholic Charismatics show their allegiance to the doctrines of their church. The spiritualists find occult revelations. The Pentecostals being evangelicals adopt an evangelical language as well as phraseology and convictions specific to their church. So Legrand here, a former Charismatic, he says, you know what, I'll tell you what. Let's do a test. We'll prepare a meeting where one of you will speak in tongues and three others will make a record. But no Pentecostal would agree to this. The interpretations that ought to say more or less than the same thing will then be compared. Here in writing, I stand by this yet unanswered proposition as a challenge to any charismatic tongue speaking community. Why has there not yet been, and will there never be an answer to this offer, which is nevertheless an honest one? If Pentecostals and Charismatics have the genuine, miraculous gift of tongues, gift of speaking and interpreting languages, let them step forward and prove it. Otherwise, their very refusal is refutation of their practice. In light of the Bible's warnings about the very real danger of spiritual deception, we'd be fools to accept them at face value without testing them. We are warned that there will be false Christs, false spirits, false gospels. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We are warned in these last days that perilous times shall come because professing believers will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We are warned that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Could false tongues and false interpretations not be? Among those fables? And we got a lot more to go.
I think we'll stop right there with that. Let's see where. Here it is. Right here. Biblical tongues were bound by apostolic direction. We'll stop there. And we'll pick it up again here next time or whenever we cover this again. Right? A lot of food for thought, a lot of ammunition, a lot of good scriptural things to think about and to talk about. Right? Let's play a song here. And uh, then we'll um, maybe say, give you a chance to say hi and everything. Stop. Uh...
Amen. Does anybody have a question or anything? I haven't taken one of those in a while. Maybe you have a Bible question if I can't answer it today. Uh, you know, I'll answer it some other time if I can't exactly answer it. Maybe you have a Bible question about something or maybe about this topic. I, you know what we haven't done in a long time? I just remembered that. We haven't done like a Q&A in a long time. We haven't done anything like that where we did like a question and answer type thing and, and kind of a little open forum. We haven't done that in a while. We'll have to do that sometime, but uh, the future. But does anybody have a, a question or something, or you know, maybe a concern or something like that that they're thinking about, and um, and uh, anything like that? I'll give you a chance to ask that. We got a few minutes left here. Oh, yeah. We'll let's see here. Let's see. And it shall be given, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, opened in God's time. Ye have not, because ye ask not, so ask and seek and find, for the Lord gives good things. In his time, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait, I say wait on the Lord thy God, wait on the
Okay. All right. Well, I'm not sure. Any, it doesn't look like anybody has any questions. We do have 60 people on here, which was good. Uh, I had about an average of about, it was about 40 to 50 or so on here, or about, yeah, about 40 to 50 on is 45 to 50 on this broadcast and there was like 20 so over there there uh i know let's see redneck was over there he's over there listening i think over on uh, facebook i don't know who listens on twitter if anybody does but the broadcast is there just in case somebody uh uh um just in case somebody wants to hear it over there uh i'm trying to figure out what my upload problem is here with sermon audio and uh i'll figure that out maybe i think i'm guessing it's a glitch you know um i'm guessing it's a glitch when was this let's see oh this year so anyway, um, it's easier for some people to listen on Facebook and on those other formats. But anyway, um, you can uh, listen to all those. Okay, actually curious, what is your take on who the two witnesses are? I do believe the two witnesses are Elijah and Moses. Um, and I'll show you why I believe that. Okay. I really hate the fact that my um, this program is not fixed yet, but that's okay. Get it fixed. Stand. Okay, I got to use. Hold on, hold on a second. Matthew 17. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Then, then answered Peter and said unto him, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. Okay, so here's, here's why uh, I believe that for a number of reasons, okay? Number one, Moses and Elijah were pretty much the two greatest prophets ever in Israel. Okay? All the things that the, 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 the ministry that those two prophets will have in the end will be a ministry to the Jews outside of the temple to show them that they should look to Jesus. They should look to Christ. Here we see a picture of that when you see, when you see Peter, James, and John. You see them at the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus is transfigured before them. Right? 
Now look what happens here. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. That's what the Jews have to come to. They will have to come to a place where they see Jesus only. And the two prophets that were the greatest prophets were Moses and Elijah. They were the greatest. So I believe they will be the ones because no one else will have a strong, as strong of a reach on Jews than Moses and Elijah. And guess what? They're going to know that those two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. Just like these guys knew that that was Moses and Elijah. Right? So that's that's what that's who I believe they will be. There are some men that say, well, Enoch has to come back and die. Well, no, he doesn't. Enoch was a picture of the saint that is alive when the Lord returns. And so shall he ever be with the Lord. He's a picture of that. He's a picture of that future prophecy of those that would be alive forevermore. At the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So he doesn't have to die. I don't believe that you can make a case for any other people besides these two. I really don't. Especially when you understand the nature of 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 who it is given to. Right? So, you know, when you look at this, I don't see how you can get around that. It's just really fascinating. Honestly, Carl, I have never studied that out. I've never studied Gog and Magog at all. I I just haven't. I don't, I, you know, I, I haven't. Right. Which Elijah, he do, you know, he does appear here. So, you know, you have that, you, you have that, just like Moses would see the face of God. But it took a thousand years later and he's on the Mount of Transfiguration and he sees not the backside, but he sees the face of God. Right? Anyway, there you go. So that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. But one of those things that the Bible doesn't spell out exactly, so there can be disagreement. But I just don't see it being Enoch, and I don't see it. I forget. Some people said John the Baptist. I've heard him say all kinds of 
I don't see it. So, anyway. All right, everybody. I'm getting out of here. Got to get some stuff done here and maybe go hunting tomorrow morning. Depends on how I feel and how everything's going and all that kind of. And if it would warm up, that'd be great. That's right. He saw the face of God. It's okay, Christina. You're wrong and I'm right. That's how it works. It's okay. Right? That's all right. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Anyway. What are you, Santa Claus into all a good night, Fabian? What are you, Santa Claus? Anyway. All right. Well, God bless you all. Take care. I'm going to get out of here. See you later.